Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I know you might have seen today's topic and being a bit afraid. Don't be scared. It's okay. We can do this together. We're looking at shadow work today and we are looking at the areas of codependency, mirror work and validation. But come a little closer, my witchy friend. It'll be fine. We can do this together. I'm afraid I don't have a book review for us today. I haven't managed to plow through my next one just yet. It's hard trying to read a book a week, I tell you. The one I'm reading now, I absolutely adore. I've been so fortunate with finding great witch books recently, so I will definitely be bringing this one to the podcast soon. Today's topic, so this is going to get a bit vulnerable today. For a change, it's going to be me sharing some bits, and I don't I don't always like to share stuff on the podcast because I don't really like talking about myself and I don't feel that that's what you come here for. But I am going to talk to you about some things that I feel are relevant to what I'm going to be talking about, why this has come up and how I feel that it might help you. So I had a completely different episode lined up, but it just didn't feel right. I had to talk about this on the podcast today. Every time I do a podcast episode, it's because something has been telling me I need to talk about this. It's funny, I always know personally when I've come out of a darker time, when I start feeling this excitement again to manifest and create and, you know, I start remembering that I'm a bad bitch, a bad witch again. Life has been pretty weird recently. I figured some stuff out about myself again. It's never ending, of course, this whole healing process. So around the time of the Love Witch episode, bit before that I did some manifesting when I talked about dating again and prior to the Love Witch episode a little way back I had manifested someone who actually met pretty much everything I had down on my little list wasn't so little they literally ticked all the boxes and I got really excited and in my mind, in the distant future, we were running off into the sunset together. I was visualizing black wedding dresses, the whole shebang. You know, when it came to my manifesting, I was like, yeah, I'm ready for this. Bring it on. Not the getting married thing, but the whole like, you know, I'm ready for this healthy relationship. I can do this. Yeah, little did I know I was so wrong. I actually got what I wanted, got the guy that ticked all the boxes. But you know what? I absolutely bloody panicked. So we spoke for a while before we went even on our first date. And before we went on the first date, I was like, oh, this is a really good connection. I've, you know, I've never had such in-depth conversations for such a long period of time before a date. But it was a case of, well, let's see if it's the same in 3D, because we all know that stage where you can really get on like a house on fire, go on a date, and it's just not the same. So we went on the date. It was good as it was on messages. I was like, yes, Carly, you've cracked it. So, you know, we were like seeing each other and so on, talking a lot all the time. Anyway... To cut a long story short, I began to feel like I was punching above my weight. You know, I'd asked the universe for someone educated, not rough around the edges like my exes, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but just a completely different person because clearly the people I'd met before were not right for me. And if you keep going for what you've always gone for, you're always going to get the same result. And you know what happens? I felt like I wound up being like my exes in the situation. 
I met a very posh, very educated Oxford University graduate in history. So, you know, at the beginning, we had loads to talk about, loads of the same interests. It felt really positive. And at the time, I was like, yes, I deserve this. But then I start ruining my manifestation because then it starts dawning on me, like all these little critical factors of, oh, well, Carly, you barely scraped together your GCSEs and you didn't even show up to some of them. So things like that that do not matter at all, because in my personal opinion, in my humble opinion, you know, as an individual, your worth is not based on your education. So but it, that critical voice started to come in and then I started to realise how posh he speaks and then I start questioning how I talk and I'll be really honest, doing the podcast, you probably get me at the best that I can talk. Uh, you know, when someone catches you unawares, you start realising you're a bit more cool blimey than you are Oxford graduate. So that started to come up for me and the funny thing is, and please don't think I'm boring you about a guy just to be flexing about who I was dating. It was never about this guy. It was all a mirror to show me where I was struggling with myself. So let me give you some examples. This guy was quite well off. At that time, I was seriously struggling financially. This guy worked out all the time, had this really healthy lifestyle. That was definitely not me at the time. I was shoveling cheesy chips with mayo down my cake hole, not really working out at all. You know, I'd kind of lost the plot a lot at that time. This guy had an amazing home. I was constantly doing DIY on mine. And like, it just looked a real shambles at that time. So another area that I was, you know, struggling with, this guy had been pretty squeaky clean most his life. He grew up in a really posh area near me in South London. They weren't far from each other at all, but it was kind of very apparent that I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks and he was in the posh bit. We joked about that. But again, you know, that started to come up for me. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I really liked this guy. I was like, I could absolutely see us way down the line, like reading books together in the garden with our chickens. I don't know why chickens and whatnot. We even had the same sort of aspirations. But as time went on, I completely effed it up with my insecurities and me not accepting the parts of me that, if I'm honest, have always been an issue to me. And I realised that in a relationship... I very often forget what I end and the other person begins. So I recognised I was beginning to act like an absolute fruit loop. And because it was such early days, you know, we, we were just beginning with dating. You know, we we had really in-depth conversations. We spent a lot of time talking. But yet it wasn't the sort of conversation that I could have had with someone without, in my mind at the time appearing like a complete nutter. So I ended it for various wafty reasons, but the aftermath of that decision left me quite bereft. Like I was really full of regret. And I think part of me hoped he might come chasing after me, like most people have in the past. But then it dawned on me, this guy really has got his shit together, which is what I wanted. And I'd messed him around a few times now because I haven't got my shit together and my boundaries are clearly a bit messed up. So why would he come running back for round two of fuckery with me? So of course, me with my shitty boundaries started to really miss this guy, realise or think that I'd fucked it up and realise that I literally had manifested someone I thought I wanted, but I haven't done enough work on myself to have it just yet. So I did, of course, embarrass myself with said guy by reaching out and, you know, trying to patch things up, but it didn't happen. He's quite a bit older than me. And I think he probably just recognised I need to grow up a lot and I don't blame him. But it hit me really hard, like really hard. The loss of someone who I felt really, really connected to. I mean, literally everything I wanted to manifest, but also the realisation that sometimes I can be the toxic one. I mean, I've harped on in the past about toxic exes I've had, but I've also had to recognise that I have a lot of my own toxicity. 
It was also the recognition of how much I need to work on myself. And that is exactly what I've started doing. And let me tell you, it has taken me to some of my deepest and darkest places within myself. So me and this guy finally stopped talking completely on the Scorpio full moon. Very ironic. He's a Scorpio. I've quite a lot of Scorpio in my chart which seems very fitting as this is very much a death and rebirth kind of situation. This tiny little situation hurt me so much. Honestly, I was in so much deep pain, but it was more about myself than this man. So much so I couldn't even talk to my friends about it because I think I felt they would think it was silly over a guy, but this amazing guy really represented how much deeper I had to heal. So I decided first, we are going to get to a point with this episode, please just bear with me, that I was not going to date for six months, that I would delete and block every single guy from my phone, like every single dalliance I had had, metaphorically throwing away the little black book, like every single possibility, because I recognized that pretty much my whole life, I've never, ever truly validated myself. I've always had to have a romantic interest somewhere in my life that if I'm really honest, I used as a safety blanket, someone that can make me think, oh, well, you are with me. So at least someone wants me. When if I'm really honest, it's because I didn't really want myself. I even blocked the guy I really liked. Let's just call him Stan for now. So it's easy to reference him. Even though I desperately wanted to hear from him, I knew there was no point. And also I couldn't bear the tumbleweed of him not contacting me and how humiliating and upsetting that that felt. I was too afraid to really, really look at myself and see if I liked what I saw. But again, I'd also spent so many years numbing myself out with drugs and alcohol because I didn't want to do that. You know, I was too frightened to, and that's a natural response. And again, we'll delve into that as well. If I'm really honest, that was to numb that critical voice that was constantly beating me up and the alcohol and the drugs like numbed that out. So this is kind of the first time of really facing it with no emotional crutches, not a single emotional crutch. So, I also feel like at times that that has made me feel like I'm playing catch up and it's not a race in any way with like healing or any stage that we are all at in life in regards to emotional healing. But sometimes I used to feel like I'd spent so long numbing myself out that I hadn't let go of the crutch to actually face it. But it is what it is. You know, I'm exactly where I need to be right now. And that's okay. You know, anyway, for a long time I wasn't always sure what I liked or if it was you know something that someone else liked and I'd kind of taken it over generally just didn't know where I finished and other people began so I gave myself or I've given myself six months but to be honest I think it needs to be a year but I'm telling myself six months for now because psychologically that sounds less scary and in that time it's no talking to exes like they are all blocked not for any horrible reason just as a boundary like for me to heal no dating sites again another validation prop nothing and you know what at first I'll be honest I really struggled with this I just missed that morning text from someone that just wasn't just a friend you know that little bit of excitement and potential most of the time I knew that nothing would come from it with that person. But, you know, it was just a little bit of validation, of course. And at first, I started to be so self-critical because I was no longer relying on that other person, whoever they might have been, to be my daily dose of validation or compliments or someone to make me feel attractive or sexy or whatever it was. It was just me. I saw this quote, and this is what I was very much living. Codependency is using a relationship to fill a bottomless void due to not feeling whole and loved as an individual. It's not the need to be loved that's an issue. It's the inability to love oneself that causes the dysfunction. 
That's by Graham R. White. So this is what we are here for, which is the real shadow work. So I heard something along the lines of, we are all connected and we are all one. And that's very true. You know, when it comes to love and relationships of all kinds, be it family, friendships, romantic interests, but that if you are a codependent like me, then you really need to, for a period of time, just be on your own where you can first and foremost actually manage to be on your own with yourself, to get to know yourself, to actually accept yourself. It's not forever. It's just a period of time where you can separate yourself from everyone else so you can actually know who you are as an individual and learn to stand on your own two feet. So this really is a follow-up episode and deeper dive into shadow work from the first episode that I did. Again, I don't know why, but I always find myself in shadow work in the summer. It always hits me now. So you might want to save this for autumn, the traditional time for shadow work. But again, it's just happening for me now. And I say happening for me because I know it is for my highest good, but fuck does it hurt? And I hope by me being open and honest, and let's face it, vulnerable, because I will be honest with you, some of this shit is so painful. And it does feel embarrassing to admit it's not, but it feels like that. I hope it might help if you are going through the same issues, my fellow witch. So here are some important points regarding codependency. Codependency is a response to trauma. Codependency feels shameful. Codependency is an unhealthy focus on other people's needs, feelings and problems. Codependents are very sensitive to criticism. Codependents are super responsible. Codependents wall off their own feelings. Codependents don't ask for what they need. They give even when it hurts. Codependency isn't a mental health diagnosis and you can change your codependent patterns. So here are some signs that you might be codependent. You please others to gain approval. Focus more on others instead of yourself. You gain self-esteem from helping others. You have trouble setting boundaries. You worry excessively about others. You feel overly responsible. Difficulty identifying your wants and needs. You think it's your job to save people. You feel anxious when others are hurting. You can't say no without feeling guilty. Making mistakes triggers shame. You attract people with problems. You struggle with low self-esteem. You hide your true feelings, especially anger. You think you have others' answers. You take things personally. Struggle with unspoken resentments. Seeking approval trumps self-care. You cannot detach from what others do. And you put your needs last in a relationship. I'm full on spilling tea now. So roll on a month after me and Stan stop talking. And I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm starting to work on myself in areas that have come up as an issue from that experience. I'm always working on myself, but I start to really hone in on where I know I need to validate myself and how I can help myself and build myself up. And I'm feeling pretty rough, but I'm getting there. I really like going for it. Then I have this family event come up and it's kind of triggering and I can't quite put my finger on why, but I'm a little bit worried about the event and I go and my immediate family are brilliant. I get on with them so well, but it opens up a ton of stuff again. And I'm like, what the hell? This healing is meant to be about my love life, not about this stuff. So in a nutshell, this event makes me realize how much of my validation, it really comes from a lot of stuff that I've had in my childhood, nothing to do with my parents or anything. They're brilliant, amazing. But I'm deeper in the trenches after this event with the shadow work than I had ever hoped to be. 
So I realised from this event, I don't ever want to be in the same room as a specific member of my family. This member of my family used to take the piss out of my weight when I was a chubby kid to the point that when I had my daughter, she was never chubby, but I'd never leave her alone with them in case they did the same to her because it really troubled me. And I'm very much a tiger mum, like that wasn't going to happen. And I recognized at this event how stressed I felt in their presence and how I had this overwhelming desire to run away. But I also felt really like angry and resentful because I've never been able to communicate to that person how they made me feel. You know, it's, time has passed. We all have these things happened, but I've never really kind of oh, like got it out of my system. I've always been pissed off with them because it was a lot of years of taking crap off them. So after that event, <laughs> I needed a really good smoke cleanse of myself. But then I came back to the issues around my appearance and how I'd been told since that age that it was an issue for me. So you know, no wonder that's always going to keep coming up because I'm not listening to little six or seven year old me that's still, you know, hurt because of that being told that I'm fat, I'm not good enough, whatever, or however that relative wanted me to feel, you know, whatever they put on me. It is what it is. I really sound like I'm moaning. I promise you I'm not. I'm literally at this point like, okay, universe, spirit guides, deities, just hit me with it now. Everything that I need to unpack. What's that saying? If you are in hell, keep going. So after this event, I decide that, you know, I'm pushing 40 and this relative, they still trigger that response in me and I allow them to make me feel deeply unhappy. So as it stands with our family dynamic, I won't likely see this family member for a while. And that's good. I'm taking my power back when it comes to that person. I don't care if they're family. Like family doesn't do that to one another, let alone a child. If that person still generates that response from me, well, I probably need a good bit of time away from them to now that it's come up for me to process it and heal it. I'm no longer going to hold on to that person's view of me. Every time I see them, I recognize that always comes up for me. So it's probably good if we haven't got any family events for a while so that by the next time I see them, hopefully I'd have processed it and healed a lot of it. And this is another layer of the onion of growth. And sometimes these areas from being a kid can cut deeper than any other shadow work we have to do because they're so deeply hidden from the light, so repressed. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. If you feel you need to work on reclaiming your power, I am going to do a podcast episode on power reclamation in many different forms. I do have a workshop on my Patreon on that topic that you might want to take a listen to. It was too much for me to put into this particular podcast episode. So I thought, let's have a look at some steps to heal codependency. So step one, you might want to start getting in touch with yourself. So I've been doing a lot of this. I've journaled even more than usual. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on codependency. I have taken myself out a lot more by myself, also with my friends. I'm a little bit of a socially anxious person. I'm fine when I'm out, but 
I can be a little bit nervous, but I force myself out of my comfort zone more, starting to take myself out on dates. I have had nights in on my own that I've specifically put aside that have been brilliant. And the last one I had, I ended up cleaning my flat all day. And then I sat on my kitchen counter in the evening and ate gypsy tart and was just smashing out some songs like ended up singing to like Fleetwood Mac, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey songs just because. And I realized that I don't miss dating right now. I miss me being my charming, fun self that I can be when I'm being all energetic and bubbly, which it seems like I've been saving too much for potential others. And I realized that sometimes we don't miss the other person, perhaps in our past or even dating. We might just miss our sparkly and fucking amazing energy that we can have when we are, you know, being flirty and charming and wooing someone. And I absolutely think that's the case for me right now. I don't want to date someone right now. I really don't. I really want to spend this time with myself and trust me if ever I've heard people on podcasts or YouTube say that I'm like nope tap me out (laughs) but this is absolutely my cheesy approach at the moment and I'm enjoying it like genuinely I'm really really loving getting to really really know myself it sounds so cringe but bear with me in reference to so like using the posh china metaphor start wearing like your best clothes sorry I'm not telling you what to do but this is where I'm at so I'm like getting my best clothes out my fanciest lingerie the stuff that we save for someone else's benefit so I bought the sexiest bathrobe the other day I mean it's not a bathrobe it's not like that sexy but It's witchy as fuck. It's like this black silk like robe and it has these lace bat wing sleeves that make me feel like Stevie Nicks in a rendition of Rihanna or I look like I might have just murdered my rich husband in it. My daughter said that when I first put it on, I look like a woman who has no issues in her life and is just floating around. And that's what I feel like when I'm wearing it. So wear it, I must. So let's stop like saving our best self and our best things for other people and specific times in life and start enjoying it now and like giving it to ourselves. And without sounding really macabre, like we are born alone and we will die alone as in when we go off to the other side, we might have our loved ones around us when we're born and when we die, but we still make these passages on our own. So Let's bloody love, or if we can't do that, like our own selves, if we have to walk with ourselves. So I started doing these things for myself instead of someone else. It's like getting the best china out every day. Again, instead of just saving it for the special occasions, I'm going to be that person I am for other people, for myself. There are two YouTube videos I watched that really helped me in the first stage of my little journey that I'll link in the show notes. And one is by Aaron Doty on codependency. He has a few videos on this and also a video by Maddie Dragsbake, what I learned after I quit dating for one year. These really helped me and they might help you too. Step two, addressing uncomfortable emotions. So remember me saying about how much the guy, so Stan, I met, brought up so many insecurities within me. I mean, bloody hell, this guy brought them all up because I felt quite inferior. So finances, body, education, my accent, my past. But the thing is, this guy was massively accepting of me. You know, we'd got quite deep and had quite a lot of conversations after a fair bit of time. and vice versa I was very accepting of him but it was me that was clearly through meeting him rejecting parts of myself and so one of the first things that came up very very small thing that 
kind of came up for me was me thinking, oh, maybe I need to start speaking better because he's very posh. And I listen to a lot of podcasts and most of the podcasts I listen to, everybody's very well spoken. And I guess that's always been in the back of my mind a little bit until I found a new podcast this month called Law of Attraction Changed My Life. And I really fell in love with it. That's a lie. I'd actually listened to the podcast before and I didn't like it. And the reason why it's nothing to do with the podcast host or the podcast, she's brilliant, is because how she talks reminds me of me. I fucking rejected her because she swears a lot. She's very open with her emotions. You know, she cries on the podcast. She sounds like she's from South London or Essex, which are both areas that I'm from. And I wouldn't listen before because it was mirroring back to me how I hear myself. But this month, I fully listened to an episode because an episode came up that really caught my attention. And I thought, I'll give it another go, but I'm not sure about this podcast. And I bloody loved it. And the best thing is, the woman who hosts it is amazing. She literally has one of the top podcasts in the UK. So a woman who sounds like me has done so bloody amazing. And people clearly don't mind listening to her accent, which is you know, there's nothing wrong with her accent, but she has one of the best podcasts in the UK. So my point is, when I'm rambling again, don't be surprised if when you are working through some of this shadow work malarkey, if the universe doesn't send you strange synchronicities that highlight to you what's going on in your subconscious that you need to work through. And sometimes, you know, we reject something or someone because Again, it mirrors back to us what our issue is with ourselves. The second thing, obviously, was body image, which I'll be honest, I'm still working through. I have always had an issue with this, if I'm really honest. And sometimes, you know, the more I've struggled with my image, the more I have tried to validate myself through who I am going out with and that's kind of really shallow, but that's me being really honest. So I've had to have a real honest look at myself and I've got to a point where I don't love my body yet. And I think this is where the real magic lies, which is starting out with parts of ourselves that we do like. So writing a list of things that I actually like about myself, I can say the following... I like my lips, I like my eyes, I like my legs, I like my hair, I like my boobs, I like my skin. The fact that I haven't got bingo wings yet. The fact that sometimes I get mistaken for being younger than I am. Maybe that's just people on their way to a Specsavers appointment. Who knows? I have things I need to work on, like how I feel about my stomach, my weight and other parts of my body. But nothing needs to be perfect. Isn't it better to start out with what you do like about yourself rather than what you don't and start cultivating a relationship with your body from there? So it doesn't have to be a love. We could start with an acceptance through to a like and then hopefully through to a love. It's not about glorifying me being overweight, but it is just me trying to like my body, accept my body, no matter what stage it is in. Body acceptance is taking all our body parts, the ones we like and the ones we don't, and accepting that their collection is what makes up our body, just being comfortable with it being our body. I find that I've started to be very, very critical of my appearance more than ever in this part of my healing. And I knew this would come up because I think my subconscious feels I have no external source for validation. So some of those critical voices in my head have got more louder. This quote helped me. Everything I've hidden in myself, have feared in myself, have feared revealing to others is exactly what I need to express to be successful in this new life. There's a song that I used to love as a teenager called Be Happy by Mary J. Blige. I absolutely love her. She's such a queen. And the opening lyric is, 
how can I love somebody else if I can't love myself enough to know when it's time, time to let go? And recently, before I entered this mad little phase of my life, it kept coming up for me. And I realized that every time I heard that first bit of the song, that tears would well up in me because that's what I knew of myself. I knew that message was for me. And again, don't be surprised if you keep having certain songs play or signs from spirit, deity, the universe, whatever you believe in, on what you need to heal or messages that are linked to what you are going through. So I thought, well, if you've been listening to that critical voice in your head, then surely you need to counteract it with a positive voice. Words have such power. We talk about this all the time as witches. So I'm just starting some mirror work, which I heard about on the podcast I mentioned to you earlier, Law of Attraction Changed My Life. And this comes from the work of Louise Hay. Mirror work, again, is another really, let's be honest, at first embarrassing, vulnerable, intimidating, but healing process. As a form of inner work, it's also one of the most simplest and powerful. Mirror work was created by Louise Hay as a way to get in touch with our inner self. And its primary purpose is to develop self-love and self-care and more meaningful relationships with others. So as a practice, it's simply looking into a mirror for a certain amount of time each day and gently talking to yourself with the aim of fostering a more compassionate and forgiving connection with yourself. If you're like most people, you'll feel uncomfortable, you may feel awkward, unsettled, embarrassed or emotional. You might even notice patterns of self-loathing and self-criticism arise. So why does this happen? Louise Hay writes in her book, Mirror Work, the mirror reflects back to you the feelings you have about yourself. It makes you immediately aware of where you are resisting and where you are open and flowing. It clearly shows you what thoughts you will need to change if you want to have a joyous, fulfilling life. In other words, in front of the mirror, there is no hiding. In front of the mirror, we catch an intimate and sometimes painful glimpse into the relationship we have with ourselves. Mirror work can make us feel initially uneasy because it exposes our inner critic in plain daylight. Suddenly, everything we feel about ourselves that we might not be aware of comes to the surface. And if you haven't developed a compassionate relationship with yourself, you might be prone to believing all the nastiness whispered in your ear by your inner critic. As a symbol of truth and clarity, mirrors are one of the most ancient and direct ways of accessing self-realization. Some of the earliest uses of mirrors date back to Anatolia, now called Turkey, from 6000 to 8000 BC. These ancient mirrors were made out of obsidian, which itself is a stone symbolic of psychological purification, shadow integration and protection. By using a mirror to consciously access the inner layers of our being, we gently remove the blocks and untie the knots, preventing our ability to grow and evolve. Indeed, mirror work can facilitate a deepening of our spiritual awakening process. Another reason why mirror work can make us feel uncomfortable is that it exposes the vulnerable and neglected parts of our inner selves. After all, what better opportunity for that forgotten part to finally grab our attention than face to face in front of a mirror? Most of us have numerous abandoned inner parts, but the most common one that we're disconnected from is the inner child. We all possess an inner child. It's one of the many archetypes or patterns of energy that compose our personality structures. The inner child is the part of us that still retains a sense of childlike wonder, spontaneity, creativity and joy. On the other hand, our inner child also possesses many of our primal and core wounds. Thus, learning how to relate to and liberate our inner child is crucial. Mirror work is an intensely effective way of helping us to re-establish a connection with this delicate part of ourselves. When looking into the mirror and trying to reconnect with the inner child, 
It's not unusual to feel waves of sadness wash over you. You may also experience unexpected bubbles of excitement or joy, but typically it's common to experience heavier and more uncomfortable emotions first. Although this kind of mirror work can be upsetting and unpleasant at times, these feelings point to deeper work that is alchemizing at a subconscious level. Simply gazing at yourself in the mirror and comforting your inner child can be a tremendously healing practice and a powerful form of inner child work. The more emotions you experience, the more a sacred kind of purging and transformation is happening. Mirror work as a portal into your soul. So the eyes are the mirrors to your soul, as the old saying goes. And mirror work gives you direct access to this core part of your being. However, it's not always possible to directly connect with your deeper self. Most people first experience a harsh inner critic that arises and serves as a doorkeeper to the deeper psyche. To make it past that harsh doorkeeper, you must learn to disarm it through mindfulness and self-compassion. It's at this point where inner work practices such as self-love become vital to work for your insecurities and self-resentments. So to get started with mirror work, you could try the following. Carry out mirror work in private so you won't be disturbed or feel like you need to keep your guard up. You might opt to do this with candles around you. I might burn some mugwort or have some mugwort tea. I might burn some incense and sit in front of a huge mirror that I have and repeat some affirmations that resound with me and feel authentic for at least two minutes a day. You might want to journal on any notable experiences you have when doing this. So this is a in-depth step-by-step guide to mirror work and this mirror work information that I've been reading out today comes from an amazing website called lonawolf.com that I will outline in the show notes. So step one, commit yourself. Mirror work creates the deepest changes when it's done consistently over a long period of time. It's recommended that you dedicate a minimum of two minutes a day with 10 minutes or more being ideal. Step two, think about the best time of day. Mirror work is flexible and can work around your schedule. Most people like doing mirror work in the early morning and late at night before going to bed. You can also do mirror work during the day as you pass mirrors. If there are no mirrors in your workplace, you could always use the selfie option on your phone where you turn the camera towards yourself. You could even find a private spot such as a bathroom cubicle to do this exercise in whilst you're at work. Step three, choose or create your own affirmation. So why use affirmations, you might wonder. Affirmations counteract the negative self-talk that runs through our heads. They also help to reprogram our minds. When we use affirmations, we are affirming something that we like about ourselves or something positive we wish to give ourselves. You may like to create your own affirmations spontaneously based on how you feel when you look in the mirror. For example, if you feel ugly in that moment of time, you can affirm to yourself, I have a beautiful heart and soul or whatever feels most authentic to you. If you feel uncomfortable in your own presence, you can affirm, it's okay to feel uncomfortable, I accept myself as I am. Alternatively, you can choose from a list of affirmations and experiment with using one affirmation each day or one for a week. So here are some examples. I'm learning to love you. I'm willing to take care of you. I love how thoughtful, caring, sincere you are. I'm worthy of love, I am enough, I'm exactly who I need to be in this moment, it's okay for me to feel scared, it's okay for me to feel sad, it's okay for me to feel awkward, I love how unique my body is, I am beautiful, I am whole, I lovingly embrace my fears, I am fierce and strong, That's this makes me think of the one from the film, like, you is kind, you is smart, you is... <laughs> 
So a note on affirmations. If you are creating your own affirmations, make sure you keep them phrased in a positive way. So many practitioners who work with affirmations, for example, people who study NLP, assert that the unconscious mind does not understand negatives and will translate any negatively phrased affirmation in reverse. For example, instead of saying, I am not worthless, I am worthy, say, I am worthy, or instead of saying, I will not be mean to myself, say, I treat myself with kindness. Your subconscious will still pick up on negative words that you use in an affirmation. So just don't use any negative words in your affirmations. The point of affirmations isn't to sugarcoat how you feel. If you genuinely can't say to yourself in the mirror, I love you, then don't. I mean, I don't think I could say that at this point in time. The point isn't to be disingenuous. The point is to offer sincere love to yourself. So if an affirmation such as I love and accept you feels too difficult, focus on a milder affirmation such as I'm learning to love and accept you or I want to love and accept you more. Step number four, repeat your affirmation with feeling. So repeat your affirmation to yourself at least 10 times, whether out loud or in your head. Some people might repeat their affirmation around 100 times, but that sounds quite overwhelming for me when I'm just beginning this practice. But the more you repeat your affirmation with sincerity, the deeper impact it will make. So you might want to try to set a realistic number of times that you speak your affirmation and stick to it. You can always increase the number of times you say your affirmation while doing mirror work as you progress. Also, when saying your affirmation, it's important to look at yourself directly in the eyes. You may also like to use your own name as this sends a powerful message to your unconscious. For example, you may wish to say, I appreciate how caring you are, Carly, or I love you, Carly. Step number five, embrace any emotions that arise. It's normal and okay to feel upset. And if you feel the need to cry, let yourself. You're releasing old ways of being and that is powerful work. You may also wish to give yourself a hug, which is also wonderfully therapeutic. It's highly likely that you'll feel emotional at some point, and that's because the old frozen pain within you that has built up through the years is bubbling to the surface. Sometimes the emotions we feel during mirror work are from childhood, particularly if they're intense. If this is the case, comfort your inner child by acknowledging him or her within you as you look at the mirror. You may wish to say words such as, it's okay, I see you, I understand, or I'm here for you, or I love how brave you are, little Carly. So like insert your name. So on the site, there was a note about men doing mirror work. Feeling and expressing emotions will likely be more difficult for men than for women. Why? Men are conditioned to perceive stoicism as a true measure of manliness. But the truth is that being stoic can sometimes be confused with emotional repression. There's nothing courageous about avoiding emotions. If you're a man, you'll need extra reassurance and compassion through this stage of the work have some deep and powerful affirmations on hand and the willingness to see your emotional openness as true strength. Step six, place a hand over your heart. Sometimes mirror work can feel particularly intense. If you feel overwhelmed by any experience, you're always free to walk away and come back to it later. However, often what's let through into your conscious mind is just the right amount for you to handle. That is, after all, the role of the psyche and the ego in particular. To help you process any strong feelings and ground yourself in your body, try placing a gentle hand over your heart. This simple action helps you to remain embodied and connected with love. Step six, record your discoveries. It's crucial during the course of your mirror work to keep a journal. Don't worry about being a great writer. Ignore spelling and grammar, they're irrelevant. 
The point of recording your discoveries is to help you spiritually integrate what you've learned. You also don't need to worry about writing long-winded paragraphs if that doesn't suit you. Simply write a sentence or two, record how you feel and what thoughts, feelings or sensations arose within you. There's no need to keep a mirror work journal every day, but it's important to write in this journal when you've had a particularly important experience that triggered emotions or epiphanies. By keeping a journal, you'll be able to track your evolution and progress, having something to come back to in the future and reflect upon. Mirror work is deceptively simple, but tremendously empowering. So much healing work can be done by simply looking at yourself in the mirror and expressing self-loving affirmations. One of the most amazing side benefits of mirror work is how it impacts your relationships. By learning how to love yourself more, life becomes more harmonious and your connections with others blossom and flourish. And finally, mirror work helps us to facilitate and deepen our spiritual awakening aiding us in gaining clarity and inner illumination. Right, so back to our steps to heal codependency. And obviously that's a big part of the whole process for me. You might want to get support from a loved one or a professional. So I haven't seen my therapist this time around, but that's more circumstantial and I will need to. But I wanted to heal it. So to feel it, journal on it. But also, I couldn't really talk about it practically till this episode because I felt like a lot of ickiness about in how it was feeling. And I couldn't really identify or understand what I was feeling because it just wouldn't come out really. It's just decades of repressed, denied truth. So if I'm honest, recording this podcast episode today is a little bit of therapy for me. So thank you. But I do hope that it's obviously going to help you if you need it too. Step four, place boundaries in relationships. So boundaries might be you start putting your own needs first. Number two, you say what you mean without being mean. So a quote that I want to reference in regards to this is that you can't have a wrong conversation with the right person. So clearly the guy that I met, I, despite the fact that he was very deep and we'd had some really deep and meaningful conversations over the course of dating and time, but clearly I couldn't have that conversation with him. So guess it wasn't going to be right. And the other thing that I want to say is, you know, what's meant for you will not pass you. So if you have to set a boundary with somebody and it ends up that they are going to have to leave your life as a result because you can't work it out then you know what is meant for you is not passing you and also if it comes down to it being a romantic relationship if someone is your soulmate they wouldn't not want to be around you or with you unless they've I don't know been abducted by aliens thrown in prison or something if someone is your soulmate and they identify as so surely you would be together and that's kind of my understanding now of life and very much like it is what it is this person was really sent to show me all the areas that I need to work on I'm not meant to be with them I really believe people are often a blessing or a lesson and the irony is I hurt my own damn self with this situation not him to me so I can't even blame him he was sent in my humble opinion to show me where I have to work on myself life don't you just love it So back to the boundaries, asking for what you need, saying no to things that you don't want to do or you don't have the resources to do, leaving situations that are harmful to you, telling others how you want to be treated. You know how to stay on your side of the street. So again, remembering where you end and they begin, keeping your side of the street healthy maybe not bleeding all of your stuff out on that other person and dealing with it healthily on your side of the street. Being aware of your own feelings and allowing yourself to feel differently than others. Not trying to change, fix or rescue others from difficult situations or feelings. Allowing others to make their own decisions. Prioritising self-care. 
sharing personal information gradually based on how well you know and trust someone, recognizing which problems are yours to solve and which belong to others, communicating your thoughts, feelings and needs, having personal space and privacy, and pursuing your own goals and interests. So if there are certain areas you struggle with when it comes to codependency, this is what you could work on. So if you find you deny your own needs, you may want to prioritize your self-care. If you find you compulsively try to fix or take care of others, allow others to make their own choices. If you struggle with seeking approval from others, work on validating and valuing yourself. If you struggle with judging and criticizing yourself, work on self-compassion. If you struggle with people pleasing, then practice being true to yourself. If you struggle with a martyr complex, then ask for help. If you find people take advantage of you, work on setting boundaries and being assertive. So when it comes to setting boundaries, this helps me break it down. So set a boundary. What do you not want to see, hear or do? Decide limits, what you will and will not tolerate. And then the last step, pay attention to people's reactions. If your boundaries make someone mad, then that is a sign that person is struggling with this boundary. And that really is on them if you decide to stay true to it. If you have certain people in your life that you know you need to set boundaries with, this might help you to explore. Decide on the people you need to set boundaries with. Identify how they make you feel. Why do you struggle setting boundaries with them? What specific actions can you take to set boundaries with them? You might need to review this regularly if boundary setting is a new thing for you so that you can stay firm in your choices and your boundaries because it can take practice. I know this all sounds like a lot and I obviously need to leave you with a caveat that this is simply what I'm working on in my life and by no means anything that I've mastered, but I'm working on it as a new stage in my healing. So all this information resounded with me and I thought it could for you too. So as ever, let's heal and learn all this stuff together, my fellow witch. I'll leave you with a quote I found that might embolden you if you are on this journey with me. When a pattern is coming to an end, especially one that's been held in your body for a long time, that's also when you will face the most fear and the most resistance because being set free actually feels incredibly uncomfortable and unsafe in relation to continuing to play out what you have always known. And lastly, I'm going to finish up with this poem that I found. I think it comes from a book called Pussy, a Reclamation by Regina Thomas Hower. So words, I guess, I want to live by to some extent. I don't know the context of it or anything. It just sang to my soul as to who I want to become more of in regards to a power reclamation. You, as heroine and legend, every mundane day, May who I am awaken and inspire you to see who you are, because I am the definition of a powerful woman. I love with my whole body, heart and soul. I say whatever the fuck is on my mind. I make huge mistakes proudly. I rage with as much passion as I grieve. I live my poetry, my art. I mother my child like a she-wolf. I risk my life to live my truth. I laugh easily, mostly at myself. I would sell my soul for a night of ecstasy. And every day I am serving my goddess and my God with every cell of my being. In other words, I'm just like you. I'm not sure the context of that poem, but for me, I very much feel like it is a conversation between me and my higher self, or that's how I like to look at it. I think that's really beautiful. So that's all I have for you today, which is it's a bit of a wild card episode. I'm really not sure how I feel about this going out. I think I've been oh, a bit too 
chatty about myself, but I hope that it relates to what I'm trying to get across in regards to the codependency stuff and so on. But I'd love to hear if you decide to work on any of these areas, if this is a bit of a theme for you currently, you have my sympathies if you are working through these areas of shadow work. I know it is not easy, but I seriously take my hat off to you for doing it. And the real magic, the real gold is the alchemy once we get through these different stages. So that's what I have to say on that. If you would like more content, you may wish to join my Patreon, The White Witch Coven, £6 a month. You can cancel at any time. We have this month for the Literary Witches Coven, we are reading the book The Black Witch by Laurie Forrest. Our theme for this month is the Hedge Witch. So we are looking at cunning folk, healers and modern day hedge witchery. So for £6 a month, you receive a meditation, a folklore or story retelling. You also have a Patreon podcast. We have our Hedge Witch Studies. We have our witchy community. We have our Literary Witches Coven meetings and discussions about the book that we're reading. And we either have a workshop or a coven get together once a month. The details will be in the show notes for that. If you could leave me a review for the podcast, I'll be ever so grateful. And you can also find details in the show notes of my two books that I have out. Aside from that, which is lots and lots of witchy love. Mm-hmm.